You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. Operation Trade Secret joins Operation Cloudhopper. Both appear to be facets of a Chinese cyber espionage campaign. 20,000 loan applications are exposed by a third-party IT vendor. North Korea's Lazarus Group still has banks in its crosshairs. A study shows that mobile users are in a complicated relationship with their apps. U.S. congressional hearings into Russian influence operations and allegations of U.S. surveillance continue. And tomorrow is Op Israel. Israeli enterprises say they're prepared. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, April 6, 2017. Fidelis Security released a report this morning on Operation Trade Secret, which they attribute to APT-10, the same Chinese outfit that BAE and PWC said earlier this week was behind Operation Cloudhopper. Whereas BAE and PWC devoted their attention to Cloudhopper's effects on businesses and government organizations in the U.K., Fidelis notes that Operation Trade Secret has been prospecting U.S. targets since February of this year, at least. As its name might suggest, Trade Secret is a cyber espionage effort directed principally at gathering information on developing U.S. trade policy. It seems clearly related to Cloudhopper and to another APT-10 espionage campaign currently in progress against Japanese targets. While the companies who've been investigating APT-10's activities stop short of calling it a Chinese government actor, it's just being called Chinese or sometimes Chinese language, its operations seem consistent with long-standing patterns of Chinese government cyber activity. The concentration on acquiring trade secrets and gaining economic advantage is consistent with that government's long-standing goals. Cloudhopper has elicited warnings to businesses from authorities in both the UK and Sweden, although the threat is not confined to those countries. Both Cloudhopper and Trade Secret approach and compromise their targets via those targets' cloud and managed service providers, so they represent an exploitation of third-party attack vectors. A different incident, also enabled through a compromised third party, affected ScotTrade. Some 20,000 loan applications were exposed by an IT service provider in the course of uploading them to the cloud. The exposure is said to have been due to a misconfigured SQL server. Kaspersky and Symantec researchers continue to draw attention to North Korea's Lazarus Group. Kaspersky finds increased sophistication on the bank robbers' part. Symantec sees signs of activity in some 30 countries. Lazarus has been traced fairly clearly to North Korea, and it's said to have steadily learned and increased in sophistication not only since the Sony hack of 2014, but also since 2016's Bangladesh Swift incident. The DPRK's interest in bank robbery is unlikely to abate, given that country's economic straits and the sanctions imposed for its nuclear and ballistic missile ambitions. 
Risk IQ this morning released a report on mobile users' problematic relationship with their apps. The average user regularly interacts with about 30 apps and tends to do so carelessly. With so many apps in use, unselective downloading, clicking suspect ads, password reuse, and other problems seem practically inevitable. RiskIQ recommends shifting defenses from consumers to businesses, which may be better equipped to control and mitigate mobile threats. Continuing our discussions throughout this week with people we met at the 2017 Women in Cybersecurity Conference, today we hear from Wendy Whitmore. She's a global partner and lead with IBM's X-Force Incident Response and Intelligence Services. She started her career in the U.S. Air Force, followed by leadership positions at Mandiant and CrowdStrike. I asked her how she learned to be a leader. So my dad was a coach. My parents were both teachers. My dad was a coach growing up. I spent a lot of time with him on ball fields all over uh, the country, basically, and kind of being surrounded by a bunch of like older brothers, if you will, right? In addition to my actual older brother, but all of his teammates and all the guys my dad coached. And so I got a chance to really kind of see how he um, coached a team, but how he actually looks to kind of mentor and coach his team members along the way. And I think that had a huge influence on me. Um, I then ended up playing a lot of sports myself. And so that certainly helped in terms of being in those like tense situations where, you know, the game is uh, ready to, to be won and you need to be the person who makes a clutch play or gets a hit or whatever it may be. Um, I learned a lot through that. And then certainly in the military, just getting, you know, tons of, of training when it came to leadership training, but also just understanding along the way kind of the importance of mentoring your team members and learning as much from them as, as you kind of have to offer yourself. What do you think is going on in the environment and the ecosystem that we're not able to do a better job attracting and keeping women in the field? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so it's some numbers that I think we keep hearing throughout the week at this conference. You know, there's an average of, I think, around 48 to 50 percent of women in the workforce in general and between 8 to 11 percent in cybersecurity. So we're starting with a much kind of smaller grouping, right, a smaller percentage. And then if you look at the retention issue or progressing through the ranks, that becomes more challenging over time because just of general attrition rates for one. Um, And then, you know, I, I look back like so... In terms of the solutions, again, I think it relates to increasing the awareness at the lowest levels at elementary school, junior high, really kind of letting um, kids of all ages and all genders know that these solutions exist or these opportunities exist. But then you look at, like when I was in college, you know, maybe my my major might have been, say, 100 people, and maybe there were 10 women in the field. And then as, you know, we got to upper graduate level courses, that got smaller and smaller, and that's normal, um, unfortunately, but I think we need to increase the pipeline kind of on the front end, one. Um, and then two, just I think in addition to gender, it's just diversity as a whole. I think we there are studies now that show how much more effective teams are when they have people of different genders, different ethnicities, different what have you, just different opinions, because you come up with more creative solutions, you have different approaches to the problems and new solutions. And so as a whole, those are things that are shown to be really effective and that we need to continue promoting um you know from my experience i haven't seen you mentioned getting it might be getting worse from my perspective i I definitely have not seen that i've seen the opposite in that um when i first started there were very few women in both when i was in the air force in this field when i started early days of consulting and now you're really seeing a lot more women in the field a lot more women moving into leadership roles so um from my kind of 
perspective, which may be, you know, more limited and uh, whatnot, but it's definitely, I think, been a positive growth. That's Wendy Whitmore from IBM. You'll hear more from her in our upcoming CyberWire Women in Cybersecurity Conference Special Edition. U.S. congressional hearings into surveillance and Russian influence operations continue. It's been reported that Representative Devin Nunez, chair of the House Intelligence Committee, will recuse himself from the investigation, at least for now, over access the White House gave him to evidence suggesting the previous administration conducted surveillance of the Trump presidential campaign and subsequent transition. Congress departs for a two-week recess tomorrow. And speaking of tomorrow, April 7th is scheduled for Op Israel, the cyber action anonymous mounts every spring to bring down Israeli networks in furtherance of the Palestinian cause and other causes. Op Israel has essentially always fizzled, never succeeding in rising above the nuisance level. But this, of course, is in a large measure because Israeli enterprises prepare for it. A number of Israeli security experts go so far as to advise treating it as a training and cyber spruce-up opportunity. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Joining me once again is Rick Howard. He's the chief security officer at Palo Alto Networks, and he also heads up Unit 42, which is their threat intel group. Uh, Rick, uh, we wanted to touch base today about some trends that you saw coming uh, from the RSA conference, uh, specifically related to cloud security. Yeah, thanks. Uh, this got me thinking. I was listening to an interview with uh, the CEO of Securosis. I think that's how you say it. His name is Rich Mogul. Uh, and he was talking about uh, these tidal forces moving everything to the cloud, or as my CTO, Nir Zuck, likes to say, to somebody else's computer. Uh, <laughs> so, And I agree with Rich when he points out that the cost of owning and operating your own mail servers, your file servers, your enterprise resource planning servers, your customer relationship management systems, ticketing systems, and HR systems, just to name a few, is cost prohibitive since none of those skills are what you should be doing for your primary business anyway. So Rich says that you know SaaS, uh, one of the components of cloud computing, wipes out major chunks of capital investments. I would add IIS and PAS does that too, but you know I take his point. The world of cybersecurity is changing right before our eyes. This is the reason that this thing caught my eye. We are literally right in the middle of a paradigm shift as everybody races to the cloud and embraces DevOps as a deployment philosophy. 
what I like about this is we don't normally notice these things, okay? When we don't usually see these things coming and mostly don't realize the new paradigm is in place until well after it is established. So I see that as a unique opportunity for all organizations in general, but also for security teams specifically. Because if we act now, okay, we can change our organization's process before our competitors do, okay, and before the cyber adversaries learn how to leverage these new attack services and before we're ready to defend them. So here's the advice. If you are not seriously considering how, you're move, how, how to move your already established perimeter defense security best practices to SaaS and IAS and PAS environments, it's not too late. You still have time, but you need to start soon. I think the good news is that the general principles of securing these new environments are no different than what you're used to doing in the old perimeter defense days. Uh, it's how we do it's a bit different, but what we are trying to do the same thing. Network defenders are trying to put multiple prevention and detection controls down the adversary's cyber kill chain in order to beat the adversary's offensive playbook. Right. So as you plan your move to these environments, seek security vendors products who can accomplish the same thing to use to use them in the perimeter defense piece so you can do it in the cloud. You need complete visibility. You need the ability to reduce the attack surface. You need a way to prevent all known threats and the ability to discover new threats and convert them into protections down the kill chain in the most efficient manner. Now, what's, there, what's scaring everything, everybody away from this is they think they have to invent new things. And what I'm here to tell you, these technologies exist already. So my advice to all my fellow network defenders is to be bold here. Get in front of this paradigm shift in the process. Maybe greatly improve your organization's security posture as you go down the line. All right. Good advice. Rick <laughs> be Howard. Bold. Be bold. Be bold. That's right. Be, go, go, go bold or go home. All right. Rick Howard, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. 
it means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire. 